This summer we are talking about uh, questions. Questions that people of faith, of, of, that our Christians have as they walk through life about uh, God, uh, about the Bible, about all kinds of different things. Um, and people who don't believe. The questions that they have, the reasons actually that they do not embrace Christianity nor find the church to be a place that they would want to be um, or grow in. And I think it's really important that we kind of tackle some of these questions. I think that's for a couple of different reasons. One, we need to think about them because other people have them. In fact, sometimes people will say them to us and we're almost shocked that they don't agree with us, which um, really should not shock us. The more interaction we have with people who who don't see uh, the world from from the perspective of the Bible, the more we should not be surprised at all that they question or think that maybe we're a little strange. Uh, Wesley and I were talking just the other day how often, um, you know, we, we some of the things that we believe, which I believe, by the way, are true, are a little strange. They are. And if you talk to someone very much and you listen to what they believe, you'll kind of go, I think that's kind of strange. We all think to some degree that each other, other people, are a little strange unless they think like we do. That's normal. But sometimes someone will say something or ask something and we don't know how to answer Sometimes we're pushed away from the faith because we don't feel the freedom to ask a question that is in our mind and in our heart. And so this summer we're trying to take some time to actually ask some of those questions. Um, And today we're going to ask the question of, is the Bible, is this, the 66 books of, of of the New and Old Testament, is this God's Word or not? And for many people who are Christians, they just take that, well, the answer is, of course it is, Paul. I can't believe you're even questioning that. So, um, but believe it, I have. And probably in different ways as I go through life, questions will seep in uh, to me. And the question might be raised by someone who is not of the faith and said, what makes this God's word and this not God's word? This has scripture in it. This talks about God. It's written by someone who's a Christian who believes. And this has obviously authors who wrote this. It didn't pop out of heaven on, you know, on a desk somewhere and say, here it is. Here's the package. Pick it up. What, you know, for, for many people, they think, well, you think this is the word of God. Why? That is such a strange thing. And I think sometimes we need to be able to say, you know, it is a little unusual. But here are the reasons why I really believe it is God's word. And I think sometimes as Christians, too, we have to give ourselves place and space to wrestle with those questions and to doubt. Because in those questions, we grow. Even if we don't find all the answers, we grow. Sometimes asking one question leads to a thousand different other questions. Only half of which we answer and find satisfactory um, understanding. But just think how much we've grown through asking the question. So I want to focus a little bit today on why would we believe that the Bible is the, worthy of God, or is the Word of God and worthy of us entrusting ourselves to it, to living under it, to taking it as truth. I want to say a few things before that, and that's just this, that throughout really the last couple hundred years, it's been very fashionable for all kinds of ideas to pop up about God and about God's word, and is it the word of God, is it not? Those come out, people go, oh, that's really interesting and exciting, and start to go, that must be the perspective, the right perspective, that it's, it's just from human authors, or it's just uh, the disciples kind of put it together as a way to kind of create this interesting um, thing that people would follow after. All kinds of different 
ideas. And oftentimes they become like clothing, very fashionable. Everyone wears the same thing. And then next year, they, after a while, there's a critique that comes up about this view of the Bible. And people go, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? No, not really. And, and they change. And there's a new idea that comes up. And it is kind of like fashion. One year they're wearing this. Next year they're wearing this. Next year we believe this. Next year we believe this. And so there's this kind of cycle that goes on. And sometimes, if you don't realize this, you're kind of caught in a cycle where people say, well, this is the way to look at the Word of God. And you go, gee, I've never thought of that before. Could that be true? And it can shake your faith. And in some ways, it's good to have your, shake, your faith shaken a little bit from time to time. But to drive you back into what God's Word says. Recently, one that I heard from someone else, or someone else actually heard, was that all these stories, especially in the New Testament, were just put together by the disciples. That they just kind of put stories together to create this idea about Jesus, and it's not historical at all. It doesn't make real a lot of sense at all. But that's kind of the, the game that was played, and why would you believe that it's the Word of God in light of that? And it's an interesting uh, theory. It's possibly true. I think extremely unlikely because it doesn't connect at all with the history that we know about the Bible and the way people have perceived the Bible and understood the Bible. And by the way, if you're a bunch of disciples trying to uh, put forward a message that people would embrace about Jesus, there's a lot of things in here you wouldn't put. You wouldn't put women, but just I'm not sexist, just you know, but from this world, you wouldn't put women coming to the tomb of Jesus, finding it empty and being the first witnesses. Because in that day, women had no value in terms of a witness. You would have made up that men, that the disciples were there. In fact, you have just the opposite. So some of these theories come out and they sound kind of interesting, but, as, but when you start to look at, okay, does that really fit what the Bible says? You find out, no, it really doesn't. It's an interesting idea. It's like fashionable clothes. Nice right now, but it will go out of style very, very quickly. You know, the Bible is a book that we have that has thousands and thousands of different copies that have been made within a few hundred years of the time of the original books were written. And the benefit for us is this, is that we can look back at the Bible and we see where there's been little changes or where there's been variations. We can also see why. For the most part, that was, and what the original said. We can do that far more with the Bible than with any other book of history. Far more. It is far more accurate, far more sense of this is what was written in the original than any other book. But I don't think, to be honest, that that's really the issue that most people have. The issue that most people have is this, is this claim that it is the Word of God. That's the part that hits us. Because if, if it's true, if God exists and he speaks, and he is the creator and the maker of all things, when he speaks, if I respond and agree and follow, then that's good. If I don't respond or say, no, I don't want it, then we know we're wrong. And I think for the most part, we don't want to live under that. <laughs> we don't want that sense of someone who knows better than we do speaking truth to us about how life should be and calling us to move in a direction that is different than what our desire is. We want to be free. Free of God. And I think that's the reason that this issue of, God, of this being God's word is so hard for us. If it was just wisdom for living, that's fine. But the word of God, spoken to people about life, 
That's a lot more serious. So the question I want to ask and hopefully answer a little bit, give you some ideas, is why would we believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Why, why would we believe that God has spoken in such a way that he put it down in a book over time to different cultures and different places so that we could understand what he said? And the main reason I think that we as Christians believe this is that's exactly what this book claims. You know, I have to say, by the way, this book, I've read it. It's a good book. Got it on the back of the book table if you want it. Um, doesn't claim in any way or any place to be the Word of God. It doesn't. It doesn't make that claim at all. But this book, this book does. It makes the claim that this is the Word of God. Again and again in the Old Testament, it, the, the, the phrase is, thus says the Lord. This is what God says to you people. Again and again, the prophets are told to write this down because this is the Word of God, to keep this truth. Moses is told to take the, the law that God has given and to write it down so that it can be passed on to generation, to generation, to generation, because this is the Word of God for all generations. It makes an incredible, incredible claim to be the Word of God. And it, it tells us about every area of life. The external areas, how we should live, our actions, our interactions with other people, our speech, relationships with those who are like us, who are insiders, relationship with those who are outside, who are different to us or disagree with us or don't treat us well. It tells us how to live. But it also talks about our internal lives, how we think, how we feel, what we should love and hate, what we should long for. The Bible speaks with authority. In it, God judges the actions and the desires of the heart. Both for those who believe and who don't believe. And it basically says God is your creator. So he has the right to say this is good, this is bad. It informs us, God informs us of the ultimate reality. And oftentimes we don't like that. Because that's not the reality that we want to have or to embrace. The passage that I wanted to uh, have Jonathan read, but I, I gave him uh, the wrong thing. I think, I, I think probably that was 1 Timothy, Jonathan, and not 2 Timothy. Is that right? Could be. But uh, I'm just going to read to you 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Or, I'm sorry, there I did it again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 15 through 16, or 16. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what, to, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The claim of Scripture, the claim here is really of the Old Testament, is that that is God breathed. It is from the breath of God. It came from him. I don't think that this means in any way, shape, or form that, that the book fell out of heaven, that God breathed it out, put it, bound it up, and dropped it out of heaven and said, here you go. Or that God dictated to all these authors, said, sit down, Moses, let's talk. Although there are times when Moses is on the mount where God does say, Moses, write this down. The book of Revelation also has that idea of, of God saying to the, to the prophet, to John, write down what you see. But for the most part, God spoke to people through different writers, different prophets, different apostles. And they wrote these things, not through dictation, but through their own personal style, their grammar, 
their own humanity. God communicated through real people the word of God so that we might know who he is, what life is about, and how to live. It's so funny when you, when you actually um, look at some of these things, uh, some of the scriptures, you find some uh, of the original language is so grammatically, wonderfully, beautifully correct. Some of you who are very, you like to do things precisely, you go, oh, that's beautiful. And then you read a book like Mark or Revelation, and the grammar is awful, <laughs> terrible. But it's always, it's always bad for a purpose. But you see the personality of the author, but you also sense, and we'll talk about this in a moment as you read it, that this is not just the word of Mark, not just the word of John the Apostle. It is stronger, heavier, deeper than that. You know, let's just be fair as we think about the Scriptures. Any way that God... Communicate to people, we would question, don't you think? If God showed up here today and, and spoke, um, and you walked out and said, I went to church, some of you are thinking that would be kind of fun. God, you went to church and God came down and spoke, and we walked out and said, God spoke at church. It was amazing. Would people look at you like, What have you been drinking? You know, what kind of medication are you on? You know, it, it would be questioned. You know, God spoke directly to the people of Israel. And you know what? Only a few weeks later, they're completely doing the opposite. Any way that God communicates to us will be questioned whether it's real. That's the reality that we live in. Whenever there's supernatural, it will be controversial. And yet, you see this in the scriptures that the belief, as you look at what Jesus said, that he believes that the Old Testament is the word of God. When Jesus is quoted in in John 19.4, he quotes Genesis 2.24. He says, not Moses said, or not the writer says. He says, God. God said this, that a man and a woman should be together as husband and wife. In Mark 17.9-13, Jesus talks about the command of Moses, that you should not cancel out the word of God. He didn't say you shouldn't cancel out the word of Moses. But the word of God. Jesus saw the Old Testament as the word of God. In a similar way, he affirms at other places his belief that the Old Testament is God's word. In Matthew 5, he affirms the eternal nature of God's law and its role, his role to fulfill it. He says not not even one little mark will move or change or be taken away from the law until it is completely fulfilled. It has an eternal nature. Because it is the word of God. Jesus speaks about characters in the Old Testament as real people who actually lived and interacted with God. Abraham, Jonah. Not just as people who are nice little stories to make a point, but as people like you and me who had communication and interaction with God. As if they're real. Not just stories in this book, but real stories. And he used the scripture again and again in his own life as the final source of truth. When Jesus was tempted by the devil for, um, to, to move away from God, every time he came back and didn't say, you know, he didn't say, well, what I think is, or the reason I'm not going to do this is, he says, this is what God's word says. People don't live by bread alone, although I'm hungry. But they live by the very words of God. That's what gives you life. God and his word. So Jesus affirms again and again in, that the Old Testament is 
the Word of God. We may like that. We may not like that. We may not know what to do with that. But that is his affirmation. It is a claim that the Old Testament makes. It is the Word of God. It is also um, affirmed by Jesus that it is the Word of God. What about the New Testament? Should we consider that? The, the writing of the Gospels, the writings of Paul, uh, the other letters of Peter, uh, Revelation, should we consider that to be the Word of God or not? And Jesus lays the groundwork for this new Scripture being added to God's Word. You may remember we re- was read er- earlier by Jonathan, um, John chapter 14. But I just want to read to you again a, a small part of this. In verse 26 it says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and He will remind you of everything that I have told you. And I think in this phrase, it tells us that the Spirit will teach us everything, but He will also remind them of what they've heard. He, he sets the groundwork for an accurate writing of the life of Christ. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that they will remember what God did, what Jesus did. They won't make it up. And also that he would lead them into all truth, that the writing of the other books considered to be the word of God in the New Testament, that God was going to use those apostles by the Spirit to write the word of God. And you find that actually in the New Testament. You find this sense of, of these words being the word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, it says this, and remember the Lord's patience. The, pa- the Lord's patience. He gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this, and this will result in their destruction. Basically, what it says is this, is Paul has written these things to the churches to edify and encourage them. And some people distort them just like they do the other scriptures. The idea is that at this point, even very early on, these writings of Paul are seen as scripture, as being the very word of God for people. Now, I want to say this very clearly. You may go, well, Paul, that's, I guess, nice, somewhat boring. Uh, not really interesting to me, or convincing. And I have to say that my goal is not to convince you. Uh, That's not uh, my desire, so if uh, if you're not convinced, good. My intention is not that, because I don't think I have the power or the interest to do that. But to give you a reason why people read the Scriptures and come away saying, God says, this, this book is the Word of God to us. And the reality that I think, the reason it's not supposed to be, I'm not supposed to convince you is this, is it's the Spirit's job. It's God, the Holy Spirit's job to convince you, to convince me that this is the Word of God and not just other words. 1 Corinthians 2.13 seems to give us an idea of how this works, is that God brings the truth to us, spiritual truth to us. And if we are spiritual people, If we are open to God, if we have embraced Christ, then He can bring those truths to us and we can embrace them. And if we're not, to be very honest, we really don't want to know this truth. And we push away from it. It is the Spirit who leads us into that truth. You know, I 
in my opinion, I think humanity is afraid. I think people are afraid. I think we're afraid, oftentimes. Because the reality is, if this is the Word of God, and if God is really speaking to us through it, then we have to realign our lives to the truth of what is here. And I don't think most of the time we want to do that. We want to be free from that. And it is only God's Spirit who opens our minds to that reality and who can prove to us, yes, this really is the authoritative Word of God. And in it I find life by living under it and letting it oversee my life. The testimony of millions of Christians throughout the centuries is not of people unthinkingly coming to the Bible and saying, okay, I believe, but of people who have wrestled with this truth. Is this the Word of God? And if so, what does that mean to me? The conviction of the truth that this is God's Word is the work of the Spirit. The, the ancients had an interesting way of talking about that. They basically said that when they read and they picked up and they read the Bible. It's kind of a nice tune. Oops, sorry. Sorry. The, the, um, the ancients had an interesting way of saying, of saying that. They said basically when they picked up and read the Bible, it, it dirtied the hands. What, what they meant by that is as they read it, it convicted the soul. It, it, it spoke more than just mere words, but it, it, it said, this is real, this is me, this is my need. It had a power beyond any other book. And they said it dirtied the hands. And as they tried to figure out what, what was the Word of God and what wasn't the Word of God, what they did is, is they looked and said, does it dirty the hands? Does it convict the soul? Does the Spirit say yes? Even when we don't like it. I just want to really move towards the end of this by kind of sharing my crisis um, with the Word of God. You may think, what? You're, not, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to have a crisis. I got all kinds of questions, okay? Just ask my family. They have all kinds of questions about me, too. So uh, some that can be answered, some that are better not to be answered. Um, but I remember, uh, I think it was the summer of 1985, I was going on staff with a Christian organization. Um, and in the midst of that, I'd been a Christian for about three years, came to, came to faith in college, uh, Christian about three years, and I remember I'm going into this full-time Christian work, and I have this, this wherever it came from, it came loud and clear and strong, and it was, how in the world do you believe that this is the Word of God and that you should live on? And it should, it should dictate how you live and what is true and what is false. And I didn't have any answers. So here I am, here's the irony. I'm heading towards full-time Christian work, and I've got these huge doubts. And to be very honest, sadly, I had no one I could talk to, that I felt I could talk to. I had no one that if I said to them, as far as I was concerned, that I really doubt, I'm not sure if this is the Word of God, who wouldn't have just said, you what? You, you, you can't be here. You can't not, you can't doubt. And so, to be honest, I, I had to deal with it myself. And whether or whether I had to, that's the way I did. I dealt with it myself. And I wrestled and I questioned and I wasn't sure as I walked through this process. Um, and I want to share with you just some of the things that really helped me in that. Not that it will be your way, but it may be helpful. I started to read the Bible and I started to reflect on what it said. And I came to the conclusion that it was, that it was accurate as a whole. 
And I came to the conclusion that when Jesus spoke, that his view of, of the scriptures was that it was the word of God. And I came to the conclusion that, you know what? Jesus was there at the beginning. He was there at the end. He sees all of history. He knows all of truth. And if this is his affirmation that it is true, then I can affirm with him and follow. I, I, didn't, I read all kinds of books. I did, I did some other research. But in the end, that didn't answer my questions. What answered my questions was a sense of, is, this, is the Jesus of this scripture true? What did he say? I will walk with him. And you may go, well, Paul, that's not very intellectual. And I might say, you're right. It wasn't very intellectual. But it was coming to grips with what I could know. Seeing that God's word authentically says it is the word of God. Knowing that when I read it, it is different than any other book. In the way that it speaks about the truth in me. And knowing that Jesus said it is the word of God. And it is the word of God given to you to give you life. So I would suggest to you, how do you walk through the doubts that you have? I would suggest this. Read the Bible. Pick up the book. And read it with an open mind. I mean, we all come with questions. We all come with skepticism. We all come with a, a, a belief that, of course, it is. But as you read it, read it with an open mind. Let it surprise you. It's okay to be surprised. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to be right. Read it. Take it in. You know, it's amazing how many people who say this is not the word of God, and if you ask them the question, have you ever read it? All the way. Who will go, no. Are you, why would it? So you're making a judgment on a book you've never read. Really. It's a little strange. You know, but read it for ourselves. Don't just judge other people, but judge ourselves. Have we read it? Have we wrestled with it? Have we let it challenge us? Have we let God open our minds to it? Pray as you read. Ask God to guide you into truth and be willing to live into that truth, whatever it is. Even if you come away and you say, I don't believe it's the word of God. Live into that truth. I don't think that's what will happen. But if that does, there is no way, shape, or sense that I would ask you to live contrary to what you believe is true. Live into that truth. And I would suggest that you do it as a part of community. Ask questions. Express your fears, your doubts. You know, Because the reality is, if I trust this book, then that means I will have to change things. And you need to talk to other people along the way as you do that. You know, sadly, whether it was true or not, I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about my doubts. But you're in a different kind of place than I am. So let me ask you this. How many of you are willing to let someone come up to you and say, I don't believe, I'm not sure I believe the Bible is the word of God and, and, and not be mad or angry or a sense of you have to believe, but willing to say, okay, let's talk about it. How many of you are willing to have that happen? Okay, put your hands up high, it's okay. That's good. Look, look around you. You just got carte blanche, okay? You just got the opportunity to say, you know what? I got questions. Take advantage of it. And when they, when they act, you know, inappropriate, you say, no, you, I saw you raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because the church should be that place where we can ask. Because God is not afraid. I would encourage you to read some other books on the topic, both books in favor and books against. I would encourage you to do that in community so you can interact with other people. But not just read the Christian perspective, but to read other people who think that it's not the Word of God. 
And I think I would just ask you lastly just to remember the Holy Spirit. is It's his job, not yours. It's not your job to convince yourself this is God's word. Whew. Relax. It is God's job to convince you. It's your job to be open. It's God's job to convince that this is the word of God. The Bible makes an incredible claim that it is God's word to all humanity. And it is the Spirit's responsibility to lead us into that truth and our responsibility to be ready to follow what He tells us. Many millions of people have come to the conclusion it is the Word of God. Not everyone who has read it and thought about it agrees. As a church, ANCL believes that this is the unique, divine inspiration, entirely trustworthy and authoritative Word of God. That's what the Bible is. But we also believe in giving people the freedom and the space to question and to come to grips with that and to let the Spirit work. God is not surprised by your questions. He is not discouraged that you're not sure, nor is He afraid of your doubts. He is wise and powerful enough to lead us into the truth, especially if we are willing to embrace it as He shows us. He does it through His Word. He does it through the Spirit of God, and He does it through His people. Let all three work in your life as you have questions. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, it should not surprise us in the least that people who don't believe have all kinds of questions and don't believe that this is God's Word. Why should they? And Father, it should not surprise us, especially as we look into our own hearts, that there are all kinds of questions and doubts that creep in. And yet that those questions are an opportunity for you to grow us, to make us more mature, and to help us to be the people you want us to be. Father, thank you that you give us your spirit to lead us into this truth, that we can seek you, we can read, we can ask, but we can also relax that we do not have to convince ourselves of something, but that you are all-powerful and able to show us and lead us into that truth. Lead us as a community, lead us as individuals, and as we are led into that truth, give us hearts of praise to give you thanks that you have spoken to us and that we know your will and that you have promised your spirit to empower us to live it. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.